Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. January 3rd, 2021, episode number 167. Happy Sunday. <laughs> it's definitely not Friday, but we're like turning this one around pretty quickly. We, we did this, uh, I guess it was around noon. So in your yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a little, little later this week. Um, it's happened before. It will happen again, but we're not missing an episode. Never. Absolutely not. And, and yeah. dude, did we ever make up for it? Yeah, this is this is going to be a great episode. I think all of our fans are really going to love this. Our guest is so candid. He even tells us bike setup for Charlotte, how he won the Charlotte half mile. He talked about wheelbase. He talked about the steering stem angle and much more. And that's just a little snippet. Can't yeah. wait for the fans to listen to this one. Always good to have Carver on. Always good to talk to the dude. What else do we... Is there anything else in... Well, before we get into Carver, is there anything else going on that we missed? Or? Well, I just want to say thanks to all of our patrons on Patreon for sticking yes. around for another month. We appreciate yes. all the support, the love and support. There's things involved with that. You know, when you host a podcast, you you put it on a, a hosting... You host it on a platform and there's fees involved. So uh, I'll thank... want to personally thank all the patrons... You guys and what you've done for the past couple of months have been able to pay for our hosting fees for 2021. Yeah. So thank you very much. Patrons, you're yeah. you're allowing us to do what we love to do. Thank you. And you got iTunes fixed and Spotify and everything uh, is all fixed for dialed yeah, in. Yes, son. If you had wanted to come on <laughs> you hold on, Carter. You wanted to come on and just do an episode and just say that. If you have any idea how much sleep <laughs> that I've lost over this issue, you don't even know. Nobody will ever know. It's embarrassing to even talk about. I feel like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. We are now on Spotify and back on iTunes. So we're we're rocking and rolling again. If you guys anybody are still having issues, please hit us up on DM though. We'll figure that out. Um but we are back, baby. That's right. So a couple of weeks ago, I saw a story or maybe a post. It must have been a post on Instagram. Dan Bromley building two Yamahas, MTO7s or DTO7s, FCO7s, whatever you want to call them, to go production twins racing next year. We were kind of joking about it before we came on, but I think we're going to... We're gonna play a game as we get. And shit, we're we're in 2021 now, man. There's all the secrets yes. can, are out. We need just need to start. They should be. They should need, be coming out. We need to do an episode where we just call people and just say, "Listen, what are you doing? 2021. What are you doing? What are your plans? Right. Right. What's going on? Is there is uh, Ziggy getting crazy, or is that Winnie Cooper? That's my girlfriend. Oh, hey, boo. Say hi, boo. Hi. That's my hi, boo. That's my girlfriend. That's your boo. Uh, so, uh, what's up, buddy? Not much. So, what also, were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about name that tune, kind of calling up people and asking what their ride is and stuff like that for next year. So, yeah, we're totally like just it. gonna randomly call cold call people and just be like, "What's your what's your deal? What's your deal for 2021?" And I like the, it. I think I don't know, man. 18? What is it? 16? 18? How many people in the field next year? What's eight, the... Eight, 18 Super Twins is what they generally have. They only had 16 in the other two classes. I don't I don't see 18 right now. We need to we need to figure out... We need to start doing like a countdown where we like fill the seats. We'll, we'll start with 18. There may only be 16, but I think there's 18. I don't even know if there's 16 right now. I'm just saying. Yeah, but we'll get there. But we'll but we'll start filling in the seats. Like we know people. There's certain people. Brian Bauman, two time champion. He's gonna be riding super twins. Bet ya. 
There you go. There you, so we got one. Okay. Okay, and you Let's can just go through it. You can go down the road. Save the rest. Save the rest. <laughs> save them all. But, hey. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fill in the briar. It'll go from, like, a gray, like, silhouette to, like, a briar bowman head. <laughs> I like it. So, also, something pretty new on Instagram is Oliver Recovery has started a yes. new page by Oliver Brindley. And, dude, I was so happy just a couple of days ago. He was eating food with chopsticks. Yep. With his left hand. He, you know, he's right-handed. He's still having some issues with his right arm and movement with his right arm. He's eating food with his left hand with chopsticks. I can't eat food with chopsticks using two hands. Uh, I love the uh, the games he's playing with Lucy, too, where, like, she's, like, throwing the ball and he, like, throws it back. Like, I, I don't know if yeah. you've seen that. He messed yeah. it up. Super cool to see, man. If you haven't followed it already, give it a follow. Um, Oliver Recovery, I think, is it at Oliver yep. Recovery, right on Instagram. Yep. Exactly. Uh, it's dedicated it's cool to stuff. his recovery. You can send him messages and, and and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I love it. I love watching his progress. He's doing a good job. I've sent him some messages, and uh, we've also got that phone number still set up. If you want to call, leave him a voicemail. Yep. Three five two six three nine twenty nine twenty four twenty four. Of course, Oliver's number. So that's pretty cool. Um, next weekend already is the winter throwdown. Are you ready for that? No. Are you going to get ready? Or? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think oh, okay. it's, okay. What is it? right. it's next Saturday. So next Saturday morning. Six, six days from now? I'll probably start getting ready. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's creeping. Don't it's rush creeped, into it. It's creeping up on us. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's happening this weekend. So Corey, I was talking to Corey this morning, actually. So he's coming down. Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday, and then uh, they have uh, the track is open on Thursday. Sorry, I hit Does that the, the pizza's ready. No, that's just my little ding, my little dinger. Okay. the The track is open on Thursday for uh, an open practice, just like okay. the track does that every Thursday. And then he has cool. a three hour practice on Friday for throwdown, wow, wow. and then throwdown's going down all day uh, Saturday. 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 Yeah, and is you're not coming. Stream? You're out. No, I'm. I'm doing uh, the Kicker Arena Cross series. You're so out. is there is there going to be streaming of that race? No, stop it. Are they streaming it? No. Is there a way to there's, watch it? There's Facebook, no race. There's anything. no race coverage. <sighs> but I will be there. All right. So you're going to be posting some stuff on Off the Groove for us or what? Um, I think Corey would have a fit if I posted Off the Groove at the Throwdown, but he might not. If you were there doing stuff, he might be able to say, that's cool. But like, okay. no, I'm kidding. Right. He wouldn't have a fit. He'd be cool with it. Um, right. and I might, who knows, but I think it's mostly tank slapping. I don't even know if we're doing tank slapping stuff. It's mostly just throw down and, and, okay. and, core and social media and for social stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and I don't know, man, there's some other people, there's a lot of different, dude, it's going to be a pretty decent sized race. There's a lot of people that are going to be there. So, yeah, um, absolutely. I do wish that there's broadcast, but I, I, I'd also like the idea of just going to the damn track too. So, yeah. um, yep. I don't know. Well, fun. I, I, I did it, ran it solo last year. Um, and the connection for live stuff is kind of rough out there. So I probably oh, I remember. do a lot of yeah. just like shooting yeah. and posting afterwards, but I mean, like you, like you did a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. If it's, oh, you know, live is a very, that's... live is a very relative term. If you can't be there and you can watch a, a race right five minutes later. Sure. Same thing. That works. Exactly. Um, anyways, I, Unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. I uh, I'm I'm in with the Kicker Arena Cross series. I've done that series the last probably four or five years. Not the not the entire schedule ever, but uh, I'm not sure what I'm doing at this point. 
<laughs> I might be the live event announcer. I might be the TV guy. And I might be doing it on Flow Racing. So they just announced that Flow Racing will be doing the entire series. So Dude, I'm stoked for you. That's awesome. Cross. Yeah, I know. That's I good. Know. I want you to be down here doing Throwdown, obviously. I know. But, I know. But I know. I'm stoked know. for you. So, I am stoked uh, for you. They're also, they just announced there's going to be another race. So there was originally six, then it went to five. Now it's back to six, possibly a seventh coming. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, the Kick Arena Cross series is cool. It's fun. I love it, dude. It's good stuff. All right. All right. Um, you want to get into uh, this week's guest? You got anything else? No, dude. Let's get into it. Uh, let's give him a call, dude. He's, uh, I don't even know where the hell he's at. He's been all over the joint since Daytona, dude. But uh, all, over the, all over the world. He's been all over the world. He has been. He went to Brazil. He went over to California. So, without further ado. <laughs> He's not from England. Is that English? Sounded like it. Um, Let's get into Call it. Call him up. You want to get into up. it? Let's go. Hello? Wizard. Yo, what's going on? What's up? Happy New Year, bud. Hey, Happy New Year. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Did you have a good New Year? Uh, yeah. I just kind of just chilled out, actually. I think it's the first year, like, ever that I haven't really done much. Yeah. Uh, me too. Uh, there's not much to do, right? Well, I mean, you know, down that we had uh, the coin. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I, I was trying to remember. I don't remember when we even started that. Yeah, it's, it's been, been, a, been a while. Yeah. Yeah, so so I've been doing that since they've always had it. I think one year they they didn't do it, but I remember always rushing home to try and be home because I only live an hour and a half, two hours from there. Right, I make it back time sometimes, but uh, but yeah, no, I just kind of hung out and chilled and listened to a podcast and wrote some notes down for the new year. Right on. So where are you where are you at right now? Um, I'm hanging out at a friend's house right now. I'm in um I'm in uh Alton, Illinois. I'm in my hometown. That's cool. How do you how do you keep track of where you're at? Do you have to write it down on your hand or something? Dude, I was just going through and like <laughs> scratching down what I've done this year, and like I don't even know if I'll be able to like. There's just yeah, all over the place. I got you. So so what kind of podcast does Carver listen to? So I've been listening to a couple different things. Um, I do like listening to that Gypsy Tale podcast every once in a while. Okay. Um, the motocross one but i like i just found this guy it's called mental illness happy hour okay and it like it just like goes through there's like 500 episodes and it just like all these different people pretty much just like it talks about like you know like normal life struggles that like everybody deals with their own independent one and it's just showing like hundreds of different versions of things and just kind of letting people know that you know people are out there <laughs> you know what i mean everybody yeah. has issues everybody tries to mask it so i like right. found that and then there's this guy uh, ram das i listened to a lot of his podcasts he's kind of like a eastern kind of style dude but uh kind of like a gandhi almost like a, a low-key gandhi <laughs> right on that's cool from man. the states yeah 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 right on well, I, I have to say that you're you're definitely one of the coolest stories, you know, from from this past season. Uh, we've heard the story about Carver and how you got started and all that stuff. And and for those that haven't heard that, go back and listen to episode two and one eleven. I think you've also stopped by a couple other times along the way. But uh, twenty twenty was big to you in a lot of ways, kind of a roller coaster season, I guess. Uh, you can we could we could spend the entire you know couple hours talking about 
each race, but we'll hit some of the bigger points and then chat about what you've been doing the past couple months and maybe get into some of the 2021 talks. But uh, let's start off down in, in Volusia. You know, uh, we it was a struggle at the start, not because of COVID, but you were having trouble getting everything put together, literally piece by piece at the last second. You had to have an insane February getting ready for the season, right? Oh, man. Um, yeah, because we didn't even, you know, like quarantine hit. And I was like, honestly, I was down in actually not even Feb- I mean, yeah, February, we were trying to get stuff together. But then, you know, quarantine hit, COVID stuff hit. I actually wasn't even going to do Daytona. I was in Milwaukee helping with Mama Tribe Flat Out Friday stuff mm-hmm. with promotions and things like that. Flew back down to Florida, lived at a, uh, at like a, res- or not a resort, but like, it's actually like a campground music festival place, uh, uh-huh. Swanee. And I was there for about a month, but then once we started kicking back in and we started knowing what was going on with the races and that things were going, cause at that point I honestly, it was like, man, if we're not going racing, like I can't spend, you know, 50% of, you know, like my bank account right now at the beginning of the year, if I don't know what's going to happen, like. You know, so I kind of waited out once we knew it kind of hit. That's when everything kind of kicked in. And we really, I mean, the bikes were already there. It was just getting the rest of the stuff and really making sure that I was, you know, for, ready for the racing and stuff. And at the beginning of the season, you weren't even going to run the entire AFT, you know, schedule. You're going to kind of pick and choose and be a wild card. Um, how many things go into the decision to change your mind and then all of a sudden become a super twin rider? Well, it kind of goes back to it's like a childhood dream, you know, like I've always, you know, as a child, as a kid, I wanted to be a professional motorcycle racer, you know, like I wanted mm-hmm. to be a grand national champion. I wanted to win nationals, you know? And so like that drive and that, that thing that kind of to pull me and push me forward and like, you know, just the personal striving of like having a goal set in your life. I think that's a huge thing about being a motorcycle racer, having any type of goal, but being goal oriented, you know, Brian Biglow called me up and um, I was, you know, I was just really happy to have the opportunity to be able to get to work with him. And, um, you know, everything was coming together, like pretty much, you know, the universe was giving me a chance to be able to go racing. And uh, I was okay with kind of not at the beginning, but when I got the opportunity and everything, it's like, okay, let's go with this. And I, you know, I put another hard, hard season in at trying to, to do it, but it's just, you know, it's a whole mental game of, of doing that. And like, I've been doing it for years. I mean, Oh eight was my first year pro, you know, I've been traveling the grand national circuit since Oh nine, since the single stepped in and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, every single year of your life, like at that elite level, everything else goes, gets pushed aside. And once the racing season starts, unless you're training mostly through the winter, which most of us are, you know, mm-hmm. your whole life is wrapped up around these couple of races in the season. So like, you know, I was getting to the point where like, you know, I put in my time, I've done traveling by myself. I've had, you know, good rides, but never could keep something for more than a year and a half and, and build something. And so it's always, you know, it's like, you know, like we always expected at some point, you know, my dad will always push me. It's like, you know, you keep pushing and you keep doing the work, you'll get picked up by a factory or you'll get a salary ride, you know? And right. so we keep doing that. And I kept doing, it and I kept putting my neck out there. And like, for me, it's like, I come up and it's like, I'm the privateer guy that like, I can still like, you know, people are like, you cannot race flat track um, unless you're full time and you're a hundred percent, you know, committed and you have backing, have people paying for it. Well, I've been proving that point wrong for a long time. And that's, you know, that's just like my own way of doing it. It's not because I'm, I'm against it. It's just, it hasn't worked for me that way. 
So like I've been carrying that torch that, you know, anybody can do it and you really can anybody, you put their heart out there, anybody out there, you know, all the kids, even the singles class that are kind of timid to move up. There's not many spots, you know, it's like, you got to work really hard, but it can be done. So, mm-hmm. you know, coming back to the beginning point, you know, like how did I get myself going on it? It was just, it was, you know, I felt good about going back at it again. They canceled all the TTs. Everything kind of fell together for me. I mean, I worked hard at it to put it together, but everything just kind of came to me really well this spring and and I wanted it one more time so so that's what we went after and 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 that's what got me just to go ahead and put everything else aside and 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 really try to go out there and win some races and and and, and have fun and do my thing and hopefully you know something would prosper you know going forward from there yeah, man I I love hearing that backstory and you know you are the true privateer uh we've talked about that you know, plenty of times, but you have an army of people behind you, you know, the happy trails race team. Of course, you, you mentioned Brian Bigelow uh, at the start, you know, Monica was in the mix there for a while. And then I talked to Bigelow and Bigelow's putting his heart and soul into it, just like you were. But how, how, how satisfying is it to have fans help, you know, help support your, your effort? It, it's so crazy. It, it was so baffling to me that even, you know, it, it's so humbling really that people were were there to help and and support me to kind of you know get through it like when i really realized it and a little bit of thanks to jeremy's out there for taking me out in volusia but um there was a good you know i got five grand that that week you know i got 1200 bucks that night because everybody saw you know it's like it's like the david and goliath thing you know what i mean they come out and it's just like everybody wants to see the underdog and obviously jared's fast he's great you know what i mean he does his job he's aggressive you know and you know for me to come out and to be able to put myself up there immediately right at the beginning of the year i think that really showed that like once again you know like all winter people were questioning what was happening with me and like you know things went south with roof systems and people are like, Oh, he's retired. He's not racing anymore. All this different stuff. And then like, I stayed real quiet, kind of like I've been this winter. And it's just like, you know, I come out and I do my job and I do what I love to do. And, and I think people see that and they resonate with it and they're, you know, they can vibe with it because everybody, you know, there's, you know, everybody sees motocross and flat track and road racing and you see these top teams and you see all this stuff and it's really not what it's all cracked up to be, you know, like, I don't know how many people think I'm a factory Indian rider that's outside the, the tight niche flat track circle, you know what I mean? It's like, and there's only so much room for, you know, people to really make a big, you know, you know, living off of it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I, I definitely know what it's all about. You know, I never even got close to, to your level, you know, but racing every weekend is expensive. It's hard to do and, and you have to be determined and you definitely have shown that you are. So let's let's talk about Belushi. You brought it up. I don't want to get into all the details about what you, you know, you and me going, you know, that big incident or anything like that. But what was your mindset leading into the season opener at Volusia? My my thought is we go there to win races. Like mm-hmm. I, I've always showed up to go like, that's always been my thing is, is, is to win races, you know, and we got down there and, um, you know, me and Brian worked really hard and we did a lot of talk and we had a lot of key, key things together to, you know, put it together. But, um, yeah, Volusia was all right. You know, we, everything, everything was good. And I let something, you know, like somebody ruffle my feathers and I just wasn't able to kind of, pull it back together the rest of the way on the weekend and um 
it just kind of is what it is, but it's what it did show for me. And I think for the rest of the world that like I was showing up. So like, I do come to play, but like I play Mm -hmm. hardball and like, I I can play too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what type of game it is. Like I can play it too. So um, I think that that was good for me. That was good for the team. And we just kind of, you know, kept rolling and uh you know we had a lot of different little races there and things but you know like i kind of got a little off track there but like when we were talking about the happy trails racing and the people and like you know when people started supporting me and, and being behind me it was just like getting some spotlight time on nbc and like you know doing stuff and different people giving me support and people seeing it it was just it was amazing and it really helped me propel myself through the season and it made it to where I could do it because like there was times I was like, you know, juggling, you know, paying, you know, I had to pay for a set of cases or like I had, you know, I broke a 450 this year. I did all, you know what I mean? I broke three different bikes and, mm-hmm. and just like all the little bit of things that happened, all these people that were behind me supporting me was amazing to, to kind of get going through it. And the hundred percent, like I just, I I wouldn't have been able to get through it the season without the people's support. It yeah, just it that, would it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened. Gotcha. I I love what you did with the helmet and you know a, a friend of the podcast put off the groove on there and Carter you know he put his his name on that helmet just because we 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 admire what you're doing and you know you're out there doing your thing and making it work, you know, and driven because of the fans. So I loved what you did. Um, let's get back to Volusia just a second. Um, you were up front. The fans liked it. You were up front. Um, we, we know what happened the first night. How did, how did that change the momentum for the rest of the season with, with the incident with Mies? Man, it's really hard to say. I mean, you can take one thing, one direction, or you can take something another direction. And I'm, <laughs> I honestly let a little bit of anger get to me and um, you know, some good things came of, of that, especially with like me being persistent that when I found out the next morning that like, and, and that night that really they thought that Jared never, you know, contacted me. And I was like, well, that's a, and I found out that, you know, like, you know, on bad on my part and being in the rush, the moment I didn't, I didn't realize that in the moment that if, 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 if I could have proved that I was taken out, I could have, I could have started, started back up. And it was just a racing incident. You know what I mean? Things happen. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, whatever, you know, but like they didn't make the right call because the right procedures weren't put into place. So I made a big stir of it the next morning when I found out they like even put in the press release that I crashed under pressure and this shit. And I was like, no, it's not. It's like, it's more than that at this point. It's it's like, at this point, it's like being able to make a proper call and give somebody the right chance to come back and to have the evaluation done right. So that's whenever now there's a new rule put into place that like anytime an incident like that comes up, all the cameramen on the racetrack, if there's anybody that are paid in that are there, like help with the system, you give in to see the information of the incident so you can make a proper call. Which wow. that's what they promoted that they saw, you know, afterwards on the NBC. But that was like a huge thing for me in the moment is that like, at least I went out and did that. But I, I was, I was just, you know, I was, I was just, I just wasn't in the right mindset. You know what I mean? I just kind of, yep, yep. um, and it wasn't able for the second day for me to really put together a really, a really clean, clean day when I knew we could have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah. but besides that, it's still like, you know, like the, the biggest thing is like being up there and being in position and knowing I can do it and be and put myself there that was the biggest thing because we all question things and question ourselves, and especially with me in my position and like 
you know, like I was all tore up about James and, you know, Oliver the year before and like, even like questioning, like how much I could put myself in them positions. And, and we all do because we've all been there, you know, like I was, I was at Santa Rosa when Charlotte and Kyle died and they were pitted mm-hmm. on both sides of me. So mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm sure you felt it before, but like people don't get it. Like, you know, you go to do these races and people expect you to go out there perform and you're racing the Arizona mile at 115 degrees. The sun's in your eyes, the dust is in your eyes, there's holes and you're coming down into like a shadow break and you're racing for $600. And it's like, you know, you got to love it. You got to right, love it right. and you got to know, and you got to, and we all question it, but you got to know, you know what I mean? And we do risk our lives out there. So, you know, like I have questioned it, but it's, I think we all do. But I don't know if everybody's always open about it, you know, but right. you know, that's a lot of what has made me question, you know, especially as I get older as well, you know, like how much is, is it all worth? You know, it's more of a personal goal. I would say for people that you're just trying to better yourself as, as an individual is, you know, of what challenges you can do. I definitely get it. It's a, it's a big mental game. There's a lot going on, you know, um, let, let's move on to Indy for just a second, two seventh place finishes, you know, solid, solid on the mile. Um, but what I want, really want to talk about right now is the, the short track there at Springfield, uh, the Mac daddy Memorial race. Talk about that night a little bit, man, that was magic. Um, my buddy, Buddy Slow came down. I had a couple of my other uh, other friends around. You know, like it, it's you know it's always been a place for me and George. Um, I met whenever I was 12, 11 years old. Me and my dad met George Mack on the side of the road around Springfield, Illinois, because he lived in Chicago. We were kind of meeting halfway, and we picked up an '85 that he had that his son built. Um, one of my road taxes that I ride right now is his old bike. Um, that bike that I rode that night was the bike I won my first Grand National on ever in 2013 mm-hmm. on the 09 that I rode at Springfield. So, like, there's a lot of memories there. There's a lot of stuff of me and George. And so, uh, with his kid being there and their family being there and everybody, it was like, it was just really, really cool. And, you know, I, I hadn't raced Springfield short track since I won the mile. And like, you know, I just was like, I didn't care. Like I, I made sure I was in, I was, I had my strength cause it was important to me to do that race and, and to come back and have fun and do it on George's bike. And, um, you know, it just, was, it just, just kind of one of the weekends, everything just kind of was like, I owned it and I only went as fast as I needed to go because I right. knew I had to go, you know, try and win the mile the next two days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, people kind of underestimate what a night like that can do, but I think it carried a lot of momentum over to the Springfield mile, which you, you've had success at, you know, uh, you go out there qualified fast on the day. You're always a threat on the Springfield mile. Uh, talk about, you know, getting on the podium with you and Bigelow and the whole happy trails people behind you, um, get on the box had to be really rewarding that day. Man, getting on the box was definitely rewarding but honestly and like you know i've heard brian say this before you know he might have been doing it a little bit more before me but like you know he told me afterwards you know that you know in the middle of the race he was he was already analyzing the things that we had made mistakes that day and what we were going to change going into the next day and like you know for me it was a good challenging race i messed up i let i let jd get in between me sammy and jared and it was just it was just for one lap and when mm-hmm. I pass, when I pass JD, you know, going on the lap two in the corner one, I blew it off in there too hard and blew the groove and lost a spot again. And literally that's all it took was a lap and a half for them guys to break the draft on me. And I like, 
I looked at times afterwards and I kind of like tried catching them. I actually bounced the inside guardrail twice. And the second time I hit it so hard, it smashed my hand pretty hard and jumped me up the racetrack. I was trying to cut off real estate, not lift. And mm-hmm. I just wasn't, I mean, I was literally trying to split a, you know, a half inch or something to get a little bit extra traction. And so anyways, all in all, it was like, you know, them guys broke me and I couldn't find a good line. I got shuffled back to like six or something. And then I kind of found my groove and the way the bike wanted to ride, it didn't want to like, it would snap me off sideways late. So I had to like, and it's weird. Cause like, you know, you're only working with six, seven foot out there on the track, but I was, I was changing my arc and my line. And once I got it down, I was able to jump back through all them guys and break the draft back into my own single battle by myself for third. Um, but you know, just to get up, you, you know, just to get up on the podium was good. But even me, it was like, you know, like I was, I was bummed that I let them guys break the draft on me. It was my fault. I messed up, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so we just kind of went on to the next day and, you know, I really liked having the, the super, you know, the, the, the super pole thing, just because for me, like I love to ride and just like, I, I love to test stuff. And like day two, I was having so much fun. We went out there and on super pole, like two laps at the beginning of the session, I literally went into corner one and never took my foot off the foot peg, like both feet uh. up all the way in all the way through. And it was like, I knew it wasn't the fastest, but I knew the track needed like two or three laps to dry to get that fast time before it got slick again. So like, just going out there having fun and like the bike was working good and we were throwing some crazy setups at the thing on day two. And then like everything was there, like everything was right in the palm of my hand, like in the main event, you know, we got out there and um, I just was playing the game. Like I was playing the game. I feel the best that I ever had, especially on a mile and to be able to pass the guys on the inside, the outside. Oh, Jared passed me on the outside. Well, now I'm going to pass him on the inside. Oh, what? Now I'm going to pass him back on the outside, you know, like, and the wind was real strong that day. So you could kind of use the wind across the back stretch and the front stretch and um, everything just felt good. I felt, you know, Robinson obviously was really close, but I felt like it was, you know, me and Jared and I felt like Jared had one good card in the, in the deck. And I felt like I had, you know, a couple, and um we ended up having a cdi box just take a shit it was a brand new one that day or we had i think we had run it like we'd ran it the day before but it ended up it just uh, you know with a lap and a half to go it told the front cylinder to stop fueling wow and man yeah just a, and and we just put a new one on after indy yeah and so it's just like you know like what do you do it's just like but like the best thing i thought of was like hey to me like like yes the materialistic stuff that you know like making 12 grand or something would have been great you know to 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 put another mark that you know i won spring film mile again would be fucking great but realistically Mm -hmm. i got the experience and i was and i was like in the moment and i think that's what you know like most racers get to and any extreme athletes or anybody that does something by themselves, whether it be meditation, yoga, ride more cycles, anything you're by yourself. And like, you know, just like, you know, just hitting them goals and doing them things that you really love. And you know, it was okay. I got that. So it was let that go. kind of, it was okay. Easy for me to honestly let that go. Right. That on. Happened. So, so tell me this, you just said you didn't take your foot off the foot peg. Did you back off the throttle <laughs> at all when, when the track is that good or, or do you have to shut the, you know, I've, I've been around that track, you know, wide open on a, on a Rotax before, but I never rode a twin there and went wide open. Those first few laps, do you have to let the throttle off? Do you let the thing breathe at all? I, 
if I have to, but uh, no, <laughs> usually not. Usually not. It, usually it's some type of forward throttle, like it's okay. some type of cracked over idle. Like whenever I'd run it wide open in there, I'd run in so high when you set up the thing, you know, you're starting to roll off, but then the thing would just, you know, once it kicks itself in there, then you're just kind of controlling it with like the hips and stuff. And it's like with the new tires are so hard, you're kind of just sitting there spinning anyway. So in the track, if you run way up, but you got plenty of room that your arc can be real drifted up to the wall. So I kind of just let it do its thing. And I, I found at spring flow, especially the last few years, like, feel like you know track prep has been huge for why we've mm-hmm. been up the racetrack i think the other thing is that the younger riders are coming in you don't got like you know the guys from the 2000s that wanted to ride around the bottom at springfield right like, <laughs> us younger kids are wild like we want to get up there and go well also at the same time that momentum and you're allowing the thing to just take its and take its course and as long as the rubber don't get built in actually chasing the dirt and letting the thing float itself at springfield is actually the quickest way to, to go and that's yeah. kind of how you can, you know, keep your feet on the pegs. And there was just something about, I could do it on one bike, but I couldn't do it on the other bike. Hmm. And it was kind of, it was interesting. Like, I don't know, like I've rode that chassis and the other one and like, can't really tell, but there's just, there's always something different about different motorcycles. Yep, exactly. That's so cool, man. I, I love the way you described that. Uh, kind of a rough night, first night at Williams Grove, but you backed it up, uh, moving up one more spot on the box there at the red clay paperclip in Mechanicsburg, uh, second inching up on that podium. Tell me about that day. Oh, well, pre-can it, it all came because of the first day. It all came because of, of, of what we did wrong all day, (laughs) day, the first day, you know, it's like, it's, it's so interesting changing the bike setups for different tracks. And like my bike from Springfield to Indy to Williams Grove from Williams Grove day one to day two was totally different motorcycle. We changed, we, you know, I was almost bouncing the hay bales a couple times way off the track, tracking across the center, wheeling into the wall. The first night, 14, <laughs> barely can stay, barely can stay on the racetrack. We come yeah. back second day. We come back second day. We, take off the heavy wheel we put a heavy we put the flywheel back on it we changed the rake of the front end we went to a different shock uh lengthened the thing out changed the limiter on the thing i mean literally flipped the thing upside down and like we started finding the right combinations and 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 honestly we had a little bit of hope from bill warner he'd been calling brian and helping and talking a little bit and watching and um so it was you know it was like we were working really hard and like it's it is really hard to start off with somebody fresh. And, you know, I like Brian has a lot of, you know, faith in me that I can do it. And it's like, and I have a lot of faith in him. So what makes it, I think also a little hard sometimes for me is that it's like, there was a lot of pressure involved too, because we both knew we were good enough to win any day and Mm -hmm. especially the combination together. So like trying to find them and understand each other and see it and, you know, like take somebody's, you know, opinion or, you know, or whatever, going forward with somebody's on it is, is kind of, you know, trying to find that that balance. So, like, that night there was a great representation of, of what we did as a team and, and and the challenges that you have. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I had a good second place, you know, battle with Breyer, you know, the whole, you know, in, in my semi, you know, the, you know that day and um, was the second fastest guy. And then the other day it was 14th. So, it's, it's you know, it really gives a lot of credit in my opinion, how talented the riders are and how well the teams are based out there in the class. Yeah. 
second place in Mechanicsburg. We'll move on to Dallas. You know, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Dallas, but an eighth and a fifth. And I really had that track picked as something you would do well at, not because you won, uh, you know, over at Texas Motor Speedway, but just going to the Devil's Bowl. I mean, Steve Nace had a race there before, and that kind of dirt, I just I just had that down in my book as a Jeffrey Carver track. Um, what did you uh, think of going to the Devil's Bowl as a national? Man, I was really excited in practice. I was, like, pretty quick. I was running way up the racetrack, actually, where the line kind of changed, you know, later on mm-hmm. in the night. And, uh, man, I don't know, like everything was really good. I was feeling really good. And then the semi came around and Bromley passed me on the outside and me passed me. And I think I went back a little ways and then we adjusted the chassis to kind of help. And I honestly felt like it did the exact opposite to me. And I honestly went out there and was like jumped up to fifth or something right away from like second or third row. And then honestly was so freaked out at one point, I almost pulled off. Like the thing was driving me up the racetrack. It was kicking me sideways, getting in where I didn't feel like I could get slowed down and just was all over the place. And I was just Mm. like, stop. I was like, stop thinking and just focus on your job. You can do this. And like, I went from, I literally went like, I went from being dropping down pretty pretty far back time-wise to jumping up over a second faster than I was like towards the beginning of the race. Um, just mentally, it was just mentally and it's like crazy, but like, you know, like I I hadn't been in that place in a long time, but there's a lot of pressure and like, it's a lot of pressure to perform yourself, everybody around you, you know, like there's just a lot there. And like, I don't know if it was like the darkness of the place too. Like I've honestly been wanting to go get my eyes looked. Cause I feel like these dark tracks at night, I'm, I don't see like I can see as good. I'm not really sure, but like, it's just, you know, like things go in through your head and stuff. And, um, but yeah, it was kind of a struggle for me, but we kind of just, you know, I just, we worked hard at second day. We pulled together a better finish and we had, you know, like, it, and you know, we did, you know, finish. Usually we would be winning the heat race or fast qualifying, qualifying or doing something like that. Like every national of the year, which was, which was nice. Right. Right. Well, let's move on to Atlanta, a 12th and a seventh. Um, anything you want to discuss about Atlanta? Or you want to move on to the, the big night down in oh, Charlotte? Oh, Atlanta. First light was just a, Oh, it was heart wrenching for me. I whole shot the thing from the second row and fell back to twelfth. Second day, felt really good. Kind of like I was been I've been starting to work really on the mental side of it and like how to prepare myself like for the race going into the race. You know, mentally preparing, trying to remember what I've done when I've won other nationals and like how to really set it in place. And like, uh-huh. so I was working on it and I felt like, you know, like I got the spark, but I didn't get the, the light, you know what I mean? And so like Atlanta for me was like, I got out there a whole shot from second. We're like, sweet. And then it just like, I couldn't hold together. I couldn't do anything. Fell back to 12. I had this in second night, you know, it was okay. I had the speed, but once again, I kind of got ahead of myself and, you know, I was, I had 13 degrees angle in the thing um second night and the thing would just like really me like i literally hit the wall coming off a four one lap trying to move forward push pushing it past where i felt comfortable but i just wanted i was trying to have that winning mindset just to keep moving forward and bounce the wall and got all shook up but you know just like you know but still just like realizing that i kind of you know i got a little head of the made a change that really did not make me comfortable and that's why I ended up finishing where I did. I couldn't push it any harder or farther past it. Um, 
but you know talking about the mindset thing you know like that's whenever you know i hung out i was at my buddy jim stump's house who uh originally helped me with the gofundme who still helps yeah. me with it all and uh you know big plug to him because he's just like a really good friend and he's jumped up to help me and do all these things and so i stayed with him for a while and um over there and um um brian was hanging out working on the bikes and I actually did a lot of fishing that week and uh, did some pedaling by myself. And like, you know, when I look back, like whenever I won like Castle Rock for the first time, I was hanging out with Gary Goodwin and his son and some people. And we were cruising up the coast of California, pedaling when we stopped and hanging out and just having like good energy before the race. And like, I've seen that before some of my other races, but at the same time, I was very, very hungry going into Mm -hmm. it as well. Right. Right. So as, as a fan, Atlanta looks super fast, super smooth, but every time I have a rider on the podcast, they say how slick it is. Um, is it really that slick on the bike? Yeah, it can be. It definitely is. It's a little rough, actually. Every single time I go there, I forget how rough it is. So for one, you, and like when you watch slow-mos, though, you'll see the tires bouncing and moving and jumping around. Mm-hmm. So if you think of that, Anytime, if you have a track that's rough at all, like, and that tire is losing, you know, time on the ground, you're obviously losing traction. So, like, I, I see that being one thing of why the place, but it does. I mean, it does get, I mean, it's that, you know, I say it's like, you know, bumpy, but then it'll almost polish and cream itself off where it is rubbered up sometime. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like that place you have to look for the rough spots on the track. Yeah. Where you got to turn at the moisture spots and then face the thing to the wall and, like that's why everybody saw sparks and shit there because yeah it would be so slick and we're trying to build so much i think also because you'd so banks we are able to stay in the racetrack right but the slickness you know it's slick but we're going so fast it feels very slick because we are going fast in the you know what i'm saying kind of yeah. oh yeah like it, yeah i think that's kind of the feeling of why because we're okay. in a bowl so it is slick but we are we're on something that's really slick and you can't really hook up on it super well Okay. All right. I I just wondered your opinion on the track because it, it's definitely some good racing to watch for sure. Let's move on to Charlotte. Uh, in my opinion, having Carbonation behind you and, and Happy Trails effort and then winning a national, to me, that had been the highlight of your of your season. Oh, man, I honestly don't know if it was the highlight of my season, but it was it was it was awesome. It was you know, it was amazing to have everybody there and all the people behind me. But honestly, that day I was like in a, I was in like a vacant seat, like, like waiting room. Like I didn't, nobody was, I didn't, wasn't talking to nobody. I wasn't doing nothing. I was like, I wasn't looking at lap times. I was putting tear off on my helmet and I was sitting in a chair trying not to puke. <laughs> wow. It was damn near how it was. It's like mm. when them days come and like you have them feelings, you know, you kind of, you kind of get to a point, but like I put myself that morning and like, I knew what I needed to do. Like I watched the videos. I know how to ride that racetrack. I knew I could win it. I came in, I was definitely a little timid in practice. You know, your foot was sticking, dabbling. And, um, it was hard to get the bikes to turn. And like, you come down the straightaway, like, and this was all the way till the main event, you come off the corner and you, if you were like kind of trying to steer the thing and lean off the inside of it, coming off to not get into the wall, the front mm. would push itself down the straightaway all the way down the straightaway until you set the thing in the corner. And wow. then the front would push, you know, it, it'd hang out or it'd push under the whole way through pretty much. So like the track was really slick and like, 
I know I like, I know a lot of guys put more rear end traction. I did the opposite. I started off, I usually run 59 offsets. I brought the thing way back. We yeah. went to like 57s and I was like, oh man, it's in my hand a little bit more. I feel like I can get the thing down the racetrack. And I started getting drives and Brian started noticing that like other guys were almost like getting into the backstretch wall. And I was able to like comfortably do it proper every lap. And we worked away all the way back to 54 degrees offsets. Wow. which I've never ran ever yeah. in my life. And huh. it was all by feel. And we had the thing super jacked in the front, super low and soft. And it like, it just gave me, it almost gave me a DTX bike. Damn near is almost okay. what it seemed like it gave me. And, wow. um, I just, everything just worked. And I felt like I could get in and like, I feel like for me, I'm, I'm, I, I naturally cut the corner tight or like make a pivot turn where like Jared is more of like a roller. Mm-hmm. and you know, I noticed that like that place there is kind of like Traveler's Rest to me. And like, I can get it in there really good and get it turned. And like, you know, like even like Lima, I have a line where I run in, you know, and drift all the way up to the outside of the exit of the corner, you know, and run it off. So like that place and that front end, that, that chassis style that we built for me was able to give me that comfortability. And as the track came in, when it got wetter, especially in the main event, like everybody was complaining about it raining and misting. I was like, these fucking sissies i was like they're just they're all getting paid it doesn't matter freaking they're getting they're making more money than i am freaking you know not going out on the racetrack and so mm-hmm. like at least bronson um spoke up and vanderkoy did and they went out there and they were like oh that's that's pretty decent yes thank god we didn't let it rain out you know and i'm just uh-huh. sitting there just like i didn't even i didn't even want to know if i lined up pull or not because i did not want to win this thing rain out style like right. that was not my intention at all. Like I want to cool. do this. I like, I remember sitting in the rig and like looking at it and being like, Oh, you know, you probably were fast. It was like, I don't care. Like, I don't want it. Like I want Like I want to win this thing my way. Right. And uh, so anyways, we went out there, you know, and like right away, like, you know, like Jared was, you know, like I thought I was going to stomp on him quick. And uh, you know, he obviously had his stuff together and it took me a little bit of time. And like, you know, like I, started jumping around and Briar got by me and then I started using some of Briar's lines and then I was gauging off of him. I knew we had a long race. I knew we were all right there. And I, and like the lap before the, uh, the restart there, I, uh, put down my fastest lap of the race, the mm-hmm. fastest lap of the race out of anybody. Right. Ryan told me that he's like, dude, just get your tear off on and go do your thing. And, um, you know, we didn't talk or nothing. I just kind of sat there and then we went out and, um, I, them two guys, like, you know, whatever they got going on, trying to take each other out and shit, you know, being unprofessional, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like that's what happens. And so like, they're doing their thing that actually gave me time to play with other lines to figure out what was going to work, what might be that I need to use to make this happen because it's like passing guys and getting away from guys is different when you're racing with the fastest guys in the world. And you got guys that can adapt and change, you know, we're all that good. And you got, and I had the two best guys, you know, to the date right now by stats that's doing that. So, you know, I sat back and once I knew what I wanted and I saw, I went into, I went into one and I saw Briar going real low, trying to chop off Jared. And I already had my high low set for him like well i got him and then i honestly didn't know until i went back and watched the race like later on that mm-hmm. i actually passed briar coming off a of two and passed jared going into three by like 10 bike links back 
Right. And yeah. but it was just like when I decided to pull the trigger and I realized it was time, there was no questions, there was no thinking of it. It was just like get the fuck out of my way. Like <laughs> like this is mine. I'm gonna there move go. to the front. You know, and it's just like, you know, and I had to surprise them. I had to catch them off guard. I wanted them to flinch. I wanted to get that little bit of a head start. So, like, when I ran in there and almost took out Jared's front, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not like he hasn't <laughs> taken my front tire out before. Right. And, you know, and nothing, you know, trying to go in and do something to him. But, like, I know my lines and I know my, and I know how good he is. And so, anyways, you know, I, I struck. And I remember I run ran the top in one and two the next three laps in a row. Because I knew if I high load it, one of them was going to run in and they were going to mess me up or we were going to collide because I wasn't going to lift either. So I ran the top and it was just enough time that Briar snuck in there and attacked Jared two more times. And boom, four laps later, I got a second lead on him, you mm -hmm. know, and then it's just, yep. you know, manage it. And it's like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, it's, you know, getting the lead. That's one thing, you know, you're looking at 40 laps. I led, I think 19 laps is what I led mm -hmm. and like, every lap within was in three tenths. And I actually had to pick up the pace the last few laps because I knew Jerry was catching me and I knew the track was changing and like, like them are the things you have to be able to adjust. And like, I don't have like the transponder thing on the in dash. So like, you know, the mindset and to put it together and just like do my thing and just like not cave to the pressure. And, you know, like it was, um, it definitely was an amazing thing because there's just so much work that goes into it. And it's like, you know, like we've, you know, I've been to 16, say 16 nationals year, you know, since 08. And it's like, you know, or, you know, since 2011 when I turned expert, you know, and this would be my fourth win. So it's like, every, we really strive for it. And it's just, uh, it is really amazing whenever them things come together and, you know, the packages work and you do it and, you know, it's a huge goal. It's just a huge accomplishment. Yeah, and it just kind of shows how hard it is to win a national. You know, like you said, your fourth one, and, and you've been at it for a long time. And, and it was, I, I loved it, man. It was, it was so awesome to watch. And and I think being stuck behind Briar and Jared while they were going at it gave you the opportunity to go look for those other lines. How hard is it, exactly. Jeffrey? Yeah, how hard is it to to go find those other lines? I mean, like most people, most. You know, the average racer, I would put me in that category, too, would just settle in and maybe see where the line is and just stick with it. How hard is it to go look for that faster way around the track? Well, I think it, you know, when I get I get to that place, too, so I'm not going to act like when I say this that I don't get that way. We all do um, for a couple different reasons. So, you know, I feel like sometimes we get in that way because we're kind of just we're settling, you know, or we're, we're scared to try something or we don't want to lose a position. So we don't want to try something that would be worse, but it's also like the mindset of like, are you here to win? Or are you here to lose? Are you here to live? Or are you here to die? Mm -hmm. And I think like being open to that. And then also like, that's the mindset side of it. But also I feel like when I train and like, I've been trying to teach these kids this and there's this kid, Carson King, I've been working with. And like, when we go ride and when I do stuff like, I can hit a mark over and over and over, you know, like the size of like, you know, a card or something, you know, like a card deck or something. But like, also you got to be able to move around. You got to be able to be open to it. So I feel like it comes back to training and the way that you like train your mind, because once you're in the motion, you're in a race, you, it's hard to think about what to do. You just naturally do it. So when you train and when you practice, you need to be able to keep your mind open 
um, to them options. And if you don't ever try them beforehand, it is going to be hard for you to just jump up and try that. You know, like that's a different level. Like whenever we're at, whenever we're at Minnesota mile and freaking Briar decides to go in and be a foot off the hay bales, just randomly throw it in there. That's mm-hmm. just because he's naturally talented and crazy as fuck. And he's confident <laughs> in his abilities, you know, but yep. usually for me, if I go out and practice and I go hit the high line, the middle line, the, the low line, and I come back for my race and my tires have touched that part of the racetrack or something close to it, then mm-hmm. I, it's more easier for me to be open to be able to move around and make them calls and, right and try the different lines. Okay. I love it. That was a great explanation. It's hard hard to do for sure. Uh, finished off the season with a 14th and a 7th in Daytona. Anything you want to talk about there? Oh, man, it's just uh, – it's uh, hard. It's hard out here for a pimp, man. I freaking – I love that. That that place is good. That place is bad to me. I, uh, you know, that thing, that place put me right on the ground in practice, you know, right after winning Charlotte, I, I drove straight home from Charlotte, trained three days, rode my, my 650 Ninja all week, rode moto, did all my work, went down there and just barked it and did a terrible job. But like second day going in a last qualifying session, like we tried everything on the bikes, all kinds of stuff. We literally dropped the front end like a half inch down and put barbacks back on it. Cause usually I have to have them, the barbacks taken away because my knees and stuff get in the way. And so I need to move the bike back forward on short tracks, like Laconia and places mm-hmm. like that or Buffalo chips. So mm-hmm. we actually went back to having the bar back so I could position myself farther back and you know move the bike around so it was just a chassis thing and it it was so crazy to me that you know like we did that and i went from being a 12th place guy all weekend to being third fastest and qualifying and getting you know doing decent in the main event you know being in fourth and getting bumped back so um it all is what it is you know what i mean it's like you go in and you think you got something figured out you know like i talked with jimmy wood about this a lot and like the guys that are the chassis guys and the tuners behind the riders are like there's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure to properly perform, to get something so that the rider can perform. And so for me, a lot of that is my own. Like I actually am my own tuner, a huge amount of it. And like, you know, to be able to like think about it and understand it and how to make the calls is, you know, it's a lot, you know, all together. Right. Seventh in the points. Uh, you just talked about the tuner a lot. Uh, Brian Bigelow was in your corner as a former rider. Uh, talk about how the relationship was with you and Brian. I know as a former writer had to have helped some, um, did you guys gel right off the bat and, and tell us, tell me a little bit about how you and Brian's dynamics worked out throughout the year. Yeah. So it's, it definitely, like, I felt like we jived right away for sure. I mean, you know, he's, um, he's a, he's a hundred percent in, you know what I mean? Like he's a, he's a guy, he's just, he's, I, you know, like, it's crazy. Ben's the same way. I mean, Ben just worked, you know, night and day. I mean, Ben worked all night and Brian works all early morning, you know, like everybody has their own traits. And so like to get to work with them and see how he did it and different things. Like I really liked it because he's very business oriented. You know, he's ran his own business. He's been the racer. So like he understands both sides of it. He understood that like, you know, sometimes me making a couple phone calls, was easier for him to make them so that I could be training that day and not have to think about it and worry about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like we get to the racetracks and like, he'd have good notes. And like, I felt like when we communicated, he understood what I meant 
and understand what I was looking for. And like we did, we did some testing where we had like, uh, we talked through the helmet together and, you know, he'd be telling me lap times or how the bikes reacting and, you know, different things like that. So it's, um, it's really good to work with him. You know, Dave Tayo was like his right hand man. Um, Dave's from up in Michigan. He races all the, you know, the plus classes around the area. A lot of people see him in the area. He's amazing. You know, he just like, he knows what to do when Brian wants him to do it. Brian's got, you know, six things ahead that he's thinking of. And Dave knows what his job is. Like, you know, we come in, we come in, they change clutch plates. We, you know, we, we change the brake fluid on them. Um, you know, possibly we're doing like a spring or, you know, like check and mapping. So like everybody has their jobs, you know, Cully, uh village you know he helped out he built all of our titanium stuff i mean we had we had stuff on our bikes that the factory didn't have at the beginning of the year and show up and you see the the factory and other boys showing up with titanium stuff after the lowest buck effort <laughs> teams <laughs> out here putting together the lightest motorcycle on the racetrack yeah and you know one of the fastest bikes so like kudos to them guys like a hundred percent like you know and, and also james monaco because like in the process of it all you know, I had James's bike. James was like who I started with. And then Brian, you know, called me up and we were going to work on James's bike. What turned into that we used James's bike as, as a build bike to use it to like build parts off of so that, you know, for these other bikes to be used to, to be mm -hmm. raced with. And like, I, I got to a hard part in those season where I was, you know, I vocalized that I was going to help James get his bike going, but I got to a point where I was spinning, you know, six grand to get these bikes going. And I had to spend six grand to get a frame for James's when it was like six weeks out. So like trying to, to juggle them all and make all that, that stuff work. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. That's a, there's a lot to it for sure. Uh, since Daytona, it seems like you've been just as busy as you were during the season. Uh, tell me about your trip to Brazil. That looked like a lot of fun. Oh man. So Brazil, uh is amazing um really really good people um we got really lucky to go over there with the mama tribe flat out friday uh group in milwaukee they've showed to the flat track community and motorcycle community that like they like to have good fun events and they they have good people involved and it's about the meeting the greeting of people making new friends and like you know you talk to uh, jeremy proc you know and he says like Hey, if you guys want to come to Brazil, it's for fun. It's to meet people. It's to make new friends. You know, we have fun over there. You know, we we're all learning flat track together and stuff like that. And then Brazil, they see flat track and it's like, you know, I went down there and I'm the first American really to be there to support them and, and mm -hmm. their culture of flat track. And so with speaking of culture and flat track, you know, Lucky Friends Rodeo is what I went over there for. It was okay. before like a two-day motorcycle, or it was a two-day festival that there was a flat track race. Yeah. But there also was a wall of death. There was music playing all day. There was 10,000 people per day wow. at this event. Cool. And so, like, that's what this was. But they did a live showing of a, a live stream. Well, it was a free live stream. And they got up to 30,000 viewers to, to log in to watch. Wow. Um, That's cool. So, like, they're doing a very good thing. You know, they have some Harley money. They have some Royal Enfield money. But everything is classy. Like, the Lucky Friends Rodeo. Also, Lucky Friends, they have a chopper garage. 
they have a hair salon and this is all in the same area and then they have like a restaurant and it's actually built so like this whole idea is built off the american culture of motorcycle riding and living so like they love harleys they love american culture they love chicken tenders and cheese sticks that's what they're (laughs) serving at this place like and they got and they got ted nugent playing and freaking you know freaking black sabbath and it's like that's the culture so like but what's so cool is that i feel like they're almost more deep enriched with the original culture than a lot of the americans are with the motorcycle culture and what it's about and what it really means and then like you know the friendship of it and how they're all building so they're building all these branding together and like i originally went over there you know like really knowing the metallica garage guys and Mm -hmm. like this guy chris from over there and uh all them guys brought us in and uh, met everybody up in Milwaukee actually during the the pandemic. And like, who's to say that any of this would have even went as far as it did without that happening. Yeah. Cause we all had time to hang out and talk. So like they're all putting together this event and this like new thing where now we're going back to Brazil in February to do another event, which is actually going to be a mama tried flat out Friday cool. motorcycle show uh race internationally yeah that's good that's that's awesome it it was really great good people to me and then like what one of my big things is i've been doing is like i've been really working on like motorcycle classes and like you know like even like i I wanted to explain some things a little bit more anyways on this podcast racing wise because you know what i don't care if people knew i run 54 degrees offsets at, at charlotte go ahead and try it a lot of people can't even ride it you know what i mean i couldn't have rode jared's bike or briar's bike probably uh, but just in general, like I want to explain things. So like g- doing international flat track schooling is actually like a lot of what I've been trying to get into. And so I was able to uh, work with the Lucky Friends Rodeo and, you know, Jeremy Proc helped me and we had a couple people and some translators and uh, had a flat track school over there. And what was really awesome is that like I almost brought over like kind of like the Ten Commandments for him, you know, like I brought over information that like literally having their head up, elbow up, you know, crack, you know, ass, you know, on the outside of the seat, you know what I mean? Hip rotated out, leg out, you know what I mean? Them type of Mm -hmm. things they didn't know. And like, all they saw was sliding. And like, when they rode the bike, they didn't know any form or ideas of how it's done. So they, they like see us hung off the bike, sliding off the corner. So they're like, they're getting bad form. And like one of my buddies I was working with there, like we saw it happening. I side down straight away because the bad form and like we got talking with all and once they realized it like it was it was really really cool because they were very grateful and they were like you know like a lot of times like i gotta tell people like look i don't need impressed like i know you're quick i don't need you to show me you're quicker than that guy i don't care if your dad's standing over there like you know like we're gonna go 70 percent. we're here to learn something not to like prove anything and like you know i said that to them guys translated you know mm-hmm. but like in general just like this is how we do it and they were just very respectful and it was just really cool because like they love it like yeah they absolutely love it and for them to be able to go around their track in four hours and spend one lap that they maybe slide all the way around that's mm-hmm. like euphoria to them yeah and that'll bring them back so just it'll bring yeah it, bring it, them back for it, more it will yeah and so that's the thing like and i i actually have like kind of like an undisclosed you know location in the amazon that we're supposed to possibly be doing a, a flat track school so like i'm working on some different stuff and like wow. honestly i'm trying to get to the point where 
you know, I have a flat track here in, in Illinois, but like, I want to get to a point where people can fly in internationally into like St. Louis. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to get where I can have, you know, living quarters out there. You fly in, do the whole work. You get an experience of riding motorcycles in the States and can fly out. Oh, and so, so, cool. so that's a little bit of what I'm also trying to to build a little bit as, as well as I go over there. And, you know, that's the point of, of helping out these kids and, and, and doing different things and kind of starting the happy trails thing. Right on. Uh, also after Brazil, seems like you went to California for a little while. Uh, there was an adaptive race that you guys were a part of too, I guess I had a pro class and I guess I saw you riding a bull taco out there out in Sonoma. Did you have fun that day? Yeah, man, I'm the California state champion running with That's the Bulls. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Bobby, I'm coming for you. There you go. Yeah, Char- Charlie Roberts, you better watch out, buddy. There you go. I heard that, <laughs> I heard that was a lot of fun, man. I, it seemed like a really cool event. It, it was. It was really good. You know, the big-time Speedway group um, did an amazing job. They got they got tore up with rain actually like you know they hadn't rained six months got tore up with rain mm-hmm. like three days before the event that we were even lucky the track held together and we were able to go race but it was just like a it was a really good fun group you know uh, sideways on purpose is like a clothing company out there they were out there giving away stuff and doing things and my buddy uh tyler brandenburg from here in town i i used to ride with him on nobbies on tts as kids at age like 12 and stuff and um he lost his leg in a motorcycle incident and uh, he really wanted, he's really wanted to do flat track. He's been to Springfield mile and watched it. Um, he actually did snow cross uh, at X games uh, in the amputee class and got a silver, silver medal over there. So like the guy still rides moto, he still kicks it. So like me and him drove out to California, you know, and, we did that race. He ended up winning that race. I won the Bill Taco race. I was too much of a sissy to get aggressive and win the pro race. So I ended up <laughs> getting fourth that night, yeah. but, uh, it was all fun, man. We, we did a lot of riding. My buddy, uh, the kid Carson King, I was telling you about, he's mm-hmm. a young kid just got on a 250. Uh, he won, uh, both 250 classes out there, but like we, we like showed up in California at Jimmy Woods house and we rode like Blackmore ranch and we went to, Paris short track we drove halfway to Lodi to Bakersfield rode Lodi the next day which I didn't the you know Carson did and Tyler did and then we raced the big time race and then them guys all flew home I stayed out in California next week and we ended up going to uh, a big event day in the dirt um, it's a big motorcycle oh, yeah. in the year it was actually it was actually the 23rd year running of it which was perfect. pretty cool they had a big, perfect yeah they had yeah. a big picture of a 23 on the front of it with the dude throwing a peace sign so yeah that was amazing i'd like it's at glen helen speedway like you know I'm, I'm a motocrosser hard as a kid like i grew up like you know riding in the woods and motocross and like watching glen helen always and like to get to ride that track was just uh was just a blast you know and getting to be around really cool people like so so we did that. I did the Hells on Wheels race. I had a little TT race that was like everybody was on vintage bikes, and I rode my buddy's 250 flat tracker on this little pit bike track, and <laughs> it was just a good time. A lot of, I mean, there was there was 15,000 people at this event, and they had a they had a buddy race that me and Tyler did, and like you had a a scrunchie that you'd have to swap with your rider. Yeah. So get this, so there there was an hour long race, and there was eight rows of about 40 people on each row 
And wow. so you had about 200 bikes on the track, which is about six minute course. And you had 200 <laughs> bikes out there. Waves went every three, every 30 seconds. And then in the starting area, everybody's lined up like on the outside of a football field. And you all come through a tunnel drinking beer. People are like doubling up on motorcycles, going out like um, the, you know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah. just a big family affair. It's just a good fun weekend. So like I was, was really happy, you know, like Tyler Behrman's one of my good buddies from out there and he's like always really cool and, you know, invited me around their area. And, um, so we got to hang out with them guys. We did that. That was an amazing trip. I want to go back next year. Um, man, dude, we did a couple more races. Um, one, one week we ended up, I rode snowboarding with Tyler Behrman and big bear, mm -hmm. come back down the mountain raced at Paris short track. And then we went to the Cahia Creek or something, which is like one of the most badass motocross tracks I've ever been to. We went wow. there with like Jeremy Twitch and uh, Taka, one of the freestyle dudes, yep, yep. and uh, um, uh, Vicky Golden, which is a freaking legend, you know, and just like yep. some cool stuff did that. And then snowboarded the next day as well. So I had like four day runs. So we just like, man, we just hit it, you know, like the season. And like I was saying, like, we're so busy and I'm so wrapped in with the racing to like to perform and to yeah. run a team, to be a part of a team, to run a team, to make it all happen, to ride, to also like, just give yourself your space and your time. You know, it's like, it's, it's a lot throughout the year. And that's why it's been hard for me to do motorcycle classes as much as I've wanted and to, to do different events. I mean, I've never even been to one of my friend's weddings before because I've always missed the stuff. So it's like, you know, I work really hard at it and it's like them seasons happen and you're just like, you're busy, busy, busy. And so at the end of the year for me, it's like, man, dude, I was like, it was amazing to be able to go out. I mean, Brazil was awesome, but to go to California and hang out, I mean, all of it was amazing. And that's where like, you know, like you're like, Charlotte had to been the best part. Well, that was an amazing night, but like, right. <laughs> the whole year has been good you know what i mean yeah yeah that's so cool man that sounds like so much fun and hanging out with those freestyle motocross guys i've hung out with twitch before and taka at the, at the x games and and uh vicky golden with taco bell uh you know her her boyfriend stuff like that man i'm I'm jealous but uh hey are you headed to winter throwdown next weekend yeah man that's the plan i finally decided on it um i'm getting my stuff together i had some uh had some stuff frame uh, i need to weld my frame up a little bit um on my rotax and uh, i've been talking with andrew butler nice. he's got a 450 framer so pretty bright you know so kind of uh get back down you know stir the pot a little bit and cool. have some fun cool um it'll actually it'll actually be uh sunday will on the 10th will actually be my 30th birthday wow that's amazing. I yeah. didn't think you're that old. I, I knew you've been in the game for a while, and I remember you as as a rookie. I mean, actually, I remember <laughs> an amateur. But man, we've been in this a long time. I know, dude. I know. <laughs> I know. Ali. That's I just like man, thirty. So like, dude, I got so I got personal goals. Like I want to. I've been really working on it for about a year or so, but I want to try and make Loretta's plus thirty class. No kidding. Um, right on. I want to. I like. I I qualified for Loretta's as a kid on a fifty and got and was like too sick we never even went to the the race or anything and then like i got hurt on 65s jumping and couldn't jump you know doing the big jumps that's when we started flopped over to flat track but anyways it's just like i've been riding a lot and it's like it's all about personal goals and like for me right now at this point it's like i want to be personal goals and like that it's kind of a personal goal for the year and like 
even like thinking about coming down for this race, like, man, I just want to go have some fun. Like that place makes me happy. So like, that's more of the mindset of what I'm trying to get in to do things. And like, you know, like with even, um, you know, like even like last year when I wasn't going to race as much, that's kind of my plan again. Like, you know, unless somebody wants to like pay me to do my job to go like do all that, like, it's just not really worth it to me anymore. You know, okay. like, but I still like, there could be 10 races or something that I want to go hit. Hell, I might do more than that, you know, like grand national stuff. I just, so like, just trying to find a balance in it all, you know what I mean? And so, um, new year, new me, and, um, just keep trying to just have some fun, you know? So is it not worth your time to race full time in 2021? Or are you going to be like, when I was growing up as a sprint car driver, friend of mine, and my dad's actually Doug Wolfgang, he never followed the world of outlaws tour. He went to where he, he wanted to race where he th thought he could have the most fun and make the most money. Is that what Jeffrey Carver's doing in 2021? Well, you know, let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. Cause it's, it, you know, it's not even as much as me. It just, it, it is, but it's like, you know, I, I'm ready to get out of my contract, in my opinion, of racing full time. Okay. Um, I've done my job. I've worked. I've done what I've wanted to do, but I've also been pushed by fans, by family, by friends, by getting into contracts with people to race. And it's like, you know, I've tried finding the right combinations. I haven't made something work for more than a year and a half, really. And like, you know, it's so expensive. So let's break it down real quick. It's like, you know, so for me, it was 10 grand to buy in this year, the super twins, you know? So mm -hmm. 10 grand up front, you got to buy in, you know? And so like my budget before that from years past is $68,000 at the cheapest, wow. you know, to be able to go racing at the cheapest. Usually, you know, you're going to get up around 90 by the end of it, just because it's just the way right. it goes. And like, Stuff so, happens. yeah, so I got, so I put 30 grand up front, you know, the, uh, by the end of the year, 30 grand came in from GoFundMe, you know, the other uh -huh. part, people sponsorship you know what i mean brian bigelow dpc dan calkins out there you know he was an amazing person to make it happen and like so you have to have all these pieces of the puzzle but it's still i get to the end of the year mm -hmm. i'm without i'm without a ride or without you know like a forward backing and nothing against brian or any of what them guys are doing by any means it's just right. a fact of how things are going and you know people have opportunities and people pursue them and do different things and things work for different people so for me it's like i keep trying but then i get to the end of the year and and i'm without i'm without a ride yeah i don't feel like i got a lot of backing i don't got people call me or people are already talking that i'm not racing just because i'm like not out there beating the bushes and trying to hound every guy with money like roof systems i mean you know jerry's an amazing guy but like you know, all these people are hounding him for money, but it's like, I just don't play that game, you know, like he's my friend right. and that's what we did together, you know? And like, that's what he was my sponsor, but he was my friend. So like, for me, it's like, okay, so how do you break down all that? Cause it's like all that money that was spent all the time that was spent and not have anything to show for besides yeah. a good fucking time. Right. And I'm over that. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was a good time, yeah. but it's a lot of time by myself. It's a lot of, not doing family functions it's a lot of like you know late nights driving it's a lot of mm -hmm. like all these different things and people strive for that and i've always done it but it's like when you get to the end of the day or the end of the year and you don't have somebody going forward with you the next year from the year before all, all yeah. the efforts you use to get the bikes going a relationship going you know all these things all these sponsorship parts that i get that i give to these teams that are no longer mine anymore and right. so it's like 
how do you build something built to last? And like, I've, I've paid my dues. I've put myself out there. I've showed back up. You know what I mean? I've showed back up when I wasn't getting the job. You know what I mean? Like I showed back up. I cut, you know, doing my universe has not presented me with a salary or something that can really make it stable and enough for me to be able to go do my job and be happy because right now I'm living right. in a camper. It's 30 degrees outside. I have money to, to pay for an apartment. But I'm so my money fluctuates so much and I travel so much and I have to be on the road and be so involved that it's not worth it for me to spend that money. And right. and I might not be able to make it through the season. And it's like, you know, if I'm able to like if, if and like my thought right now, if anybody's listening, if someone is to call me and they're like, look, Jeffrey, we want you to ride all year. Here's the Indians. Here's the salary. I want you to get to Florida right away. I'd say, you know, now I'm there. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like. Right. It's that it's not there right now for me, and I, I feel like if it's a proper combination with the right people, like you know, that's if you want something, you go after it. And I get that as a rider, if you want something, you go after it. Well, me, I just want to have, I just love racing, and I'm just grateful for that, and I want to do it. I understand there's business sides of it with people wanting to support and stuff, but even at that, like whenever I vocalized, you know, last year that I didn't want to race full time, I lost my ride. You know what I mean? Something that I built yeah. for two and a half years. Cause I right. was like, I'm not getting a salary. I don't feel like it's worth it to me. I'd love to, but I'm questioning a lot of things right now. And I've been in and like, and that's where I was. And so it's like, and if I can't be who I want to be with them people, then whatever, I'll move on right. and I'll try and make something else work. So at this point, it's like, like I said, I could show up. I'm looking into riding in Indiana and showing up and doing the races I want. I'm looking into an XG in the production class. If anybody's out there that's listening, that's like Harley shops and interested in something, I'm interested in doing that. Why? Because I see, I see the bikes getting better. I see $6,500 in contingency for, for first place. This was mm -hmm. last year. I'm still waiting to see how things go. Right. And you know, it's like, it was probably 25% cut purse, just like how any contingency is, but you can show up and get, you know, first place you know second third place and make more money on an xg in the production class than you can me you know you know per se battling higher quality riders with higher quality teams more people more money to get close to the same amount of money plus i buy a ten thousand dollar buy-in up front right and i have right. to come up with two forty thousand dollar indians that i'm going to put another 10 grand into to make right, right. plus whatever i'm going to spend for the year so it's like if I could get a Harley shop that wanted to have two XGs and we go race and we go stomp them and, and we go do our thing, then like, you know what? You guys gave me the playing field. You know, AFT is always talking about giving somebody a platform. So there's options. And like, I'm open to the options. Like, I still know I have the potential to win races. I know I can do it. Right. Do I want to like sacrifice my whole life to chase it? I don't. Do I have to, to win? I don't, I don't think so. I think I can, like my thing, when I get, I want to train kids. I'm like, I'm building the happy trails brand. I'm building happy trails racing. We're like, you know, Casey Cisco, I helped him. He got real close to putting it in one of the mains at the last few races. And I was mm -hmm. coaching him and been trying to help him. This Carson King kid, I've been really trying to help him. And my idea is that like, you know, besides outside of myself, there's people that I help to get to the level to show like, this is what, you know, I want to help kids understand the little things of 
you know, the mindset things, the understanding of reading the tracks, the understanding of what it all actually is and what your parents are putting into this for you, for you to appreciate it. Like, I want to build this and, and teach kids that stuff and then be able to have something to show in four or five years whenever I'm done racing Grand National that, like, I can maybe be a consultant or I can show up and, like, help different riders. Like, I want it to be different. Like, I want to do more style classes. I want to do international classes. Like, I want to... I want to teach kids different tiers of like, how do you read the racetrack? Like, how do you know what type of dirt hooks up on or off the groove? Like, you know, chassis setup. like there's a lot of schooling out there, but there's not much information about like chassis setup. There's not stuff out there. And I feel like if I give myself some more time, because like I said, when you're full-time racing, full-time doing anything, mm-hmm. it's really hard to have time for anything else in your life. Absolutely. And I just feel like I have more to offer in general and I can still show up. I can still have my, you know, like I still want to still love the fans. I still love racing. I still love meeting people. Like I still love the whole process of it, but something yeah. has to change for Jeffrey Carver and somebody has to make the decision to do it. And it's been me this year. And I've been giving myself time to have fun download. I got some, I'm making sure all my bike stuff are in order, my personal bikes, because I love riding and having fun at. I'm trying to build a brand. I'm trying to build Happy Trails, like clothing brand, the idea of what I pitch and talk about anyway. So like, I'm trying to be smart about it, you know, and, but I still want to race. And I still like, I'm still that dude that lines up at the starting line that wants to win races, you know, like I'm just like all the other racers out there at the same time, just trying to find a way that I can be who I am and who I want to be and live my life and, and do it, you know what I mean? And not be judged for it. Yeah. I love that about you, Jeffrey. Uh, you're, you're a a free spirit, but a focused man who wants to win races. I love what you're doing and what you're doing outside of racing is, is definitely going to make an impact for generations to come, especially in flat track. Yeah. Thanks Scotty. I just, you know, just try to be open to it. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot because we all strive and you know it's like we all have parents that are back behind us to to be that you know that winning kid and everything and it's uh you got to find it and so i appreciate you guys let me talk about it and you know it's kind of some of what i want to explain i want people to understand i want people to know i don't want people to like think badly that i'm saying something bad about aft or anything i'm just i really want people to understand how it all is it's a business they're running it as a business we're riders we're on the other side of it it's a business to them and we're just kind of a part of it, you know? And so like, you got to find the balance in it. And, um, you know, that's why I'm trying to work with the lucky friends rodeo guys and with mama tried and do this Brazilian trip is because they're promoting fun atmosphere racing. Like, so let's yeah. just throw this out there real quick. What do we like about motorcycle racing? We like the excitement, the loud, the fans, and we like an action packed race. You never want to really see somebody just check out unless it's your kid or it's your best friend. Besides that, right you would really, really watch a race. So the good thing about the mom and tripod on Friday group is I feel like, you know, I've been helping them with their stuff and going down and like the, the race I did, you know, I jumped the start in the main event down there at the, at the race. Why did I do that? I did it on purpose because like I talked with Jeremy Proctor promoter and he was like, what do you think about jumping the start? And I said, that look cool. I was like, dude, I'm game because I didn't go down there to win. I went down there to show people what flat tracks about and right. about like like what's cool about it in the action so like there's shots of all of us crossing three four guys and all three brazilians in the four-man final race beat me 
which honestly they really did the track came around for them i was riding a different bike and i really wasn't pushing it it didn't matter to me to win but them guys were riding on their ragged edge and the brazilian local guys heroes beat one of the most world-renowned racers in the world the american Yeah. And so that's what's building and that's what's building the sport. And like, you know, like I really like Mom and Tried and them guys because like they like they want this to be fun. They're inviting people to the event to ride that are fun and that aren't just so wind driven. It's a show. It's a you know, it's it's a show, it's a circus. And like, you know, we're we're doing this to make people laugh and have fun and like that. So like I like that idea. You know what I mean? I really like kind of being a part of that. So that's kind of some of why I've I've chased that. And like, I'd love to bring some of that vibe, you know, to the States myself. And obviously mama tried and them guys are doing it, but you know, there's, there's <laughs> they'll say there's, you know, a few ways to skin a cat, you know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Again, thanks so much for your time. And before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody, man? You know, um, obviously all the happy trails people, you know, like everybody that supported me, the happy trails racing, you know, I sent out, um, I sent out a whole bunch of pictures. I made a post a couple months ago about if you donated over a hundred dollars to me, like I'll send you something. And I sent out, you know, 60, some of the pictures, I still got more. I'm trying to get stuff sent out, but I just really want to thank everybody for supporting me like that, because it's just like, it's just amazing that to have that type of support, you know, I mean, it's, I don't even know how to verbalize it really, but I, I, I appreciate it, you know, and, you know, again, for like all the people throughout the season, you know, like Brian working his butt off and Cully and Dave and, um, hell, my buddy Dustin, like he was amazing. Uh, Dustin Harris, he's uh, one of my buddies from in town and he took every free weekend of his summer to travel with me. And, and he drove to like the last four nationals of the year weekend back to back from Illinois, just to like, just to help and save on cost, you know? So like yeah. them people, you know, like it's all the close people. It's the people out at Ride Organic. It's, you know, with all the people at the racetrack, I have a lot of good big people that help me, you know, but I really appreciate all the other people too, you know, but like, you know, like Spectra Oil was on team with us, Pro X Clutches this year, you know, Dan Calkins again, who is amazing. You know, my dad's always backing me, James Monaco, uh, Roof Systems, Jerry, you know, he was, uh, he did a really, a really respect for that guy, you know, for helping everybody and still stepping up and helping me after we split, you know, so it's just like, it's a big list of, of different people, but I really appreciate, you know, like all the people that give their time to me and, you know, time, time means a lot. So I really appreciate that. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. I know you, you've been wanting to come on here and talk to us a little bit and uh, talk about your plans for 2021. Sounds like you're still open. If you can find a, a decent ride with a salary, um, anything else is coming up uh keep us informed we love hearing from you uh we wish you lots of success man i i i want you to go to loretta lens and, and win the over 30 class i think that'd be so uh, cool. i don't know about over 30 because i gotta have to beat mike brown but i just want to make no it no kidding i just want to yeah. make it i just yeah. i just want to make it it just would be just a it just you know I'd, i've been hitting them big jumps out in california hit a hundred uh 30 foot triple or a wow. big step up and that was the biggest thing I've ever hit. And it gave yeah. me butterflies like a kid again. And I was just like, <laughs> and it gave me the butterflies when I'm like at Minnesota mile up next to the air fence. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. all right, <laughs> we'll find cool. some more of that. But yeah, thank you, Scotty. I really appreciate it. And yeah. 
yeah, if anybody wants to follow any of my stuff online anymore, I do have a new Happy Trails Racing Instagram account that you can uh, – I haven't posted on it yet, but I have like a, have an idea and a story and a pitch that I'm going to throw with it all once I get it going, something people can, can read along with the um, – the post and stuff. But anyways, you know, I'm just kind of been really trying to build that brand and I have a clothing line that I'm really starting to come out with my sisters helping me with. And, um, um, I have some good things kind of coming together. So I appreciate everybody that, you know, listened in and supports me and, uh, happy trails. Right on. And we appreciate your time, Jeffrey. Thanks a lot. Have fun in 2021. We'll see you at the racetrack soon. All right. Thanks, Scotty. Good talking with you. You know, I never know what to expect, but I know he's, I always know it's going to be amazing when I'm talking to this guy. Dude, he, I love the way he articulated everything and put it out there. Didn't hold back, didn't, didn't share, you know, didn't keep any secrets from us, you know, put it all out there right there in front of us. And I had no idea that he's getting ready to turn 30. I, I guess that means we've been doing this a long time. I think I said that during the podcast, but, but, you know, I remember him as an amateur. I'm turning five. Him but in the flat track five, world, but five years old. Yeah. In the flat track world. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love his perspective, dude, not just on flat track, but on life. Like he's a cool dude. He's, I love that he's not caught up in the craziness and he's able to take, say, Hey, you know, I love this stuff and I still think I can win races. But right now you got to recognize when you have it, when you don't. Cause like, especially with their, what they're doing out there week in and week out with these races, you got to mentally be there and, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why you can or you can't be. And who knows, you know, all the reasons why he is or isn't, he isn't. And I think he was pretty candid with most of the reasons. But uh, I'm all about the real. That dude's about as real as you'll ever get. And Absolutely. that's what I, I, he's raw, he's real, and, and he's take it or leave it. Like, I, I just love that about him. Um, and, dude, I'm sure something will work out. Like, he's too good of a rider not to be racing next year. But I also understand, like, the, his stance of saying, like, I'm, I'm just mentally not there and I don't think that it's worth it right now. So, um, but yeah. Well, I think I think, I think think part of the key was, you know, he talked about how much money he had to put up up front just to go racing. And then, yeah. you know, a $6,000, you know, bill here, $6,000 there. And at the end of the season, all he has is good memories. He's got some trophies. He won his fourth Grand National. But that's all he's got. He talked about motocross. I think he talked about, you know, his riding schools. He's... He's going to go out there and do Jeffrey Carver stuff in 2021. 100%, dude. When you do find that stuff and explore that stuff, that's when you find not just, you know, what's what your your purpose and you're meant to do, but, like, I don't know. I think all that other stuff kind of just falls in line, too. And as much as we talk about flat track and, and talk about it like it is the world and everything, it's not. There's other things to do. There's other things you can do within flat track, right, even besides racing. So um, yep. I think there's no better ambassador internationally for flat track, I think, than and carver it'd be super cool um ton of respect for the brazilians um uh, with what they've done and he he obviously loved it there um so it was super cool i, I think he could go anywhere in the world and, and be competitive uh and kind of just have you know bring a cool flat track vibe to anybody anywhere across the globe so it'd be cool it'd be cool i'm sure that's not the last place he's gonna go i think he went to india or indonesia or something a couple years back with sideburn too so yeah dude i don't i don't know i think uh i think he's uh he'll definitely find something in, in 2021 it'll be interesting to see what it is i i don't think it's gonna be a super twins ride though honestly it doesn't sound like it unless somebody comes up with one. And I've heard some of the other riders don't have rides already. So 
will they put those other riders in front of Jeffrey Carver? It's got to be a good ride. You know, Jeffrey said he wants to make a salary if he's going to do that. If he's going to go out there and risk it every race in the Super Twins class, he wants to be making a salary. He wants to make it worth his while. And I'm, I'm right there with you. He doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Yep. He, we all know he's fast. We know he's capable of winning races. And uh, he's a very talented rider. Yep, no no doubt at all. And, and if 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 anybody doubted it, doing what they did last year with that win in Charlotte. Um, yep. And hopefully we'll talk to him in a couple of weeks, uh, too, and get his perspective. But like we're saying, it's the 1st of January. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, news out there to go grab. So we're going to be uh, pretty damn busy here in the next couple of weeks, I think, uh, with some storylines. And uh, we still got to get some cool mama stuff in. So, um that even makes sense yep. what i said but yeah it does in our little heads it does um, <laughs> all right yeah. carter well, let's call this one an episode you got to do some editing get this one out dude I'm, I'm gonna hop on it right now we'll probably have it out there in the next hour or two so uh the patrons thank you again so much for hopping on for another month uh we have all, all nine coming back for this month so um super stoked on that man and uh scotty keep it uh you keep losing power dude what's up with that try to stay keep power more than more than a week ice snow power lines going down i don't know oklahoma wasn't ready for it i don't know if they didn't fix you know i think they patched it last time maybe i don't know but come down here dude it's it's it's, you're coming for throwdown bro it's like 80 degrees here i'm going i'm going to play arena cross instead i'll be i'll be part way down there i'll be in mississippi next week safe travels brother cool thanks to all our fans Share our podcast, smash that like button. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later. See ya. Peace. Uh, one more thing before we let you go. The the XR750 film was so cool. And to have you part of that, you know, with Evan Sin, your buddy and our buddy of the, the podcast, man, that had to be a cool feeling too. Oh, man, dude. Um, Evan's amazing. I was just on my way home from California. I hung out with him him and Taylor. And uh, they, they did a really good job on this film. I mean, Evan just – I just love watching him work, like working with him. And like I've, you know, more and more I've gotten to do some like media stuff with different people. And um, he's just like, I really like his pitch and his like background. And then, you know, like with Gary, um, I'm in from Sideburn magazine being the one that actually wrote the script, which mm-hmm. was really cool to me to, 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 to understand film and how that they're actually, you know, like getting content, getting verbiage while somebody else is writing the script while you're also trying to put together all the clips and make it not too long. And you're trying to please Harley at, in the background of it all. Right. Um, and try and make a pitch that you're not that, you know, he did a very, very good job at, him and Gary did a very well job of verbalizing the XR and how Honda stepped in. They didn't really say that, Honda copied them. They didn't really put anybody else down. I thought it was a very well represented video, you know, and so I'm just really happy to be a part of that. Yeah, that was so cool.